Golfer fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Well, the sound of the snare drums just happens to mean that we are uh, we are embarking on another edition of the Score North Gopher Show. I should say the 7-0 first place in the Big Ten West. Score North Gopher Show. Uh, with uh, by the way, I am I'm James Murphy guiding the the ship today here at the uh, the studios at Score North. With me as always on the via the telephone is is Daniel House. Daniel, big win against the uh, against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights yesterday, and uh, you know anticipating you know a, a, a showdown that didn't really happen. It was as, as we expected. We uh, we we took care of business when it came to uh, to going on the road and, and defeating Rutgers. Well, it's a totally different mindset when you're trying to prepare for a game like this. You don't know how they're going to attack you because they got a new coach. They really haven't shown much of how they're going to shift the total identity. But with their offense, they really struggle. Quarterback play is not very good. The receivers struggled. That double pass to start the game just kind of described Rutgers' offense in a nutshell and just their season overall. But the Gophers offense started a little slow, but they figured it out. Uh, Rutgers stacked the box quite a bit. They played a lot of man coverage on the outside, and that really, really was a way for the Gophers to need to innovate and start exploiting the linebackers. They had to clear stuff out with crossers. They ran some deep routes and uh, had tight ends release off wheels, running backs release off wheels. They were just trying to take advantage of the scheme that Rutgers is deploying, and it took a little bit of adjusting. I thought in the second half they did a much better job of just getting the ball out quick, getting into a rhythm. The running game was clicking a little bit more, and then they were able to set up the RPO game with the digs and the slants, which is the bread and butter. When they're stacking the box as much as they are playing single high, you have to start taking advantage of that eventually. And I just thought that Rutgers schemed uh, pretty well on defense, actually, to open the game. Mm-hmm. They simplified the responsibilities of their backers, their Edge guys and outside backers were crashing the edge really, really hard, and they stacked the box quite a bit. So that really presented some challenges, and the Gophers just had to settle in, figure out how to how to game plan, adjust the game plan a little bit. But I thought they did a nice job of it as the game progressed. You know, Daniel, uh, our our co-host Ross Brendel was was texting me in the first quarter and in in, into the second quarter of that go over that uh, Gophers and Rutgers game, and he was a little on he was a little nerve uh, nerve wracked. He was he was anxious. I just think he was he was just the the top thing on his mind was you cannot lose 
this game to Rutgers. And the Gophers' offense started off, I mean, it was it was vanilla-looking, and I think he was concerned about that moving forward just to make sure that, you know, they could they could get a lead. And I said, man, just just calm down. It's the first quarter. I, did you sense that among Gopher fans, that they were they were waiting for uh, – they were expecting – they were expecting fireworks out of the gates, and they didn't really get that. And they, and as a result, they were a little bit anxious about the result. I think of that they game. thought they were just going to come out with the foot on the gas yeah. right away. But road game, you have to see what your opponent's throwing at you and make adjustments. But you know, as the game progressed, I just thought they got a lot better, and the consistency was there. They started to finish blocks a little bit better, took advantage of the stack boxes. Receivers started to make plays in the perimeter. The timing of the routes was just off a little bit in the first half, and they they seemed to figure that out as the game progressed, and Morgan was a little bit more confident. They ran that route to Bateman in the end zone. He ran a quarter route, and they just were slightly off the first time. They ran it a second time and executed. So you just saw Morgan throwing off his back foot a little bit. Timing was just a little bit off, but as the game uh, got going they started to figure that out and the RPO game was just a little bit more quick hitting and getting the ball out quicker and the, the zone the zone blocking just really started to flourish as the game progressed too I thought the running game just started to establish more consistency as we got into the second half and I, I want to bring this up too I had a I had a couple people talking to me you know before the game about hey is this you know is this a trap game I don't think you can call a game when you're favored by four touchdowns a trap like even if you even if they would have lost that game I don't think you could have called that a trap game I think that has to be a uh you know a closer contest than that that was just that was almost a loser proof game if I if if uh what, what do you think well yeah the mindset of that game you have to come in going okay Rutgers has one of the worst teams of the past decade, maybe in the Big Ten and overall in college football, you can't play down to your competition. You have to come in and, and do your job, execute at a high level. And when when you have a new coach taking over in an interim basis, they're going to do some things a little bit differently. Actually, I thought their defensive game plan was pretty solid from the start. and They, they played pretty hard on that side of the ball. The Gophers had to counter that. I thought offensively in the second half, they ran the stretch play, kind of outside zone stuff again. And Rodney had that TD where he, he reads the bounce read on the outside and understands that that's not there. Bang reads not available. He bends it back to the outside. Bryce Whittem has a great block at the backside, runs in for a TD. Those stretch and outside zone plays, I talked about them last week in a breakdown, but they continue to do those. They continue to execute them at a high level, and they've been very successful because of the offensive line puts that they have. And then the vision of the running backs and the cutback ability, it creates a lot of rushing lanes, and it complements the bread and butter of their offense, which is that inside zone. And, and Kirk Schrock said last week they want to continue using that because some of the ways that teams are defending inside zone, they're able to exploit it through the outside zone and stretch plays. And when you have a couple backs that fit that scheme really well and offensive linemen that have the ability to reach block as well as they do that's a successful scheme to run and then you paired up with that rpo game you start hitting on the outside and and over the middle when teams are playing single high and stacking the box a ton i felt like early on they were trying to trying to do the basic amount to to win this game they didn't want to give away too much schematically they didn't really show a whole lot throughout the whole game so it's one of those things where you're trying to save all your innovative stuff for when you really need it the most 
Daniel, I want to I want to get your opinion on something we saw that that really I think is about to you know if it hasn't gone viral already it it certainly will in the coming days. You had in the fourth quarter when the Gophers scored their 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 fourth touchdown of the game to bring it to twenty seven nothing. You had Casey O'Brien on the field uh, to to be the 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 holder um, for the for the point after, and you could just see the emotion on PJ Flex's face. Um, you know, they I, I saw they panned to him on the on the sideline during that during that kick, and he was he was visibly emotional and crying. And then they they shared a pretty cool moment. Um, after that, after that uh, attempted PAT, where uh, PJ, they PJ and Casey, they they had a, a long embrace where you could see PJ was talking to him for about a minute, and that was really cool. I just want to get your thoughts briefly on that. Well, Casey O'Brien is just the definition of one of the strongest people you're ever going to meet. When I've been around him, just uh, the inspiration that he gives off to everybody that's around him, it's it's just amazing to see. And you watch that moment. And, notice how his teammates rally around him, comes in, holds the ball, goes through uprights, and everybody just celebrates and shares that moment. I love Casey's quote at the end of the game, and they're like, "Who is there anyone in particular you shared a special moment with after that? And his instant response, Coach Fleck, right away, like seconds after that, the question was asked. And they, they were talking about what he said to Coach Fleck when they when they hugged, and he said, "I told him it was worth it." And if any of you've been following along, yeah, been, Coach Fleck's been talking about the team meeting that they had before the last game against Nebraska, where he went around to every player and told the story and asked them, "Is it worth it?" And they they he always wants them to say it's worth it. He wants them to have uh, you know the best possible experience uh, you know at the University of Minnesota and just in general in the in the football program and. Casey said that to him when he finally had the chance to achieve his dream to play college football. And I mean, that's just incredibly powerful stuff. It speaks to the way this program's developing a culture, the chemistry that this group has. That's the big thing that I just take away. There's so many moments this year where you see the, the collective chemistry of this group, and that's the key to having a successful team. You have people that rally around one another, that care about one another. It's just, you can see PJ Fleck, and the coaching staff's fingerprints on this team, but now you're seeing players lead, they're showing the culture, and, and they're not having to, uh, the coaches are not having to just establish the culture and talk about it all the time. The players, they're, they're showing it every single day, and that's when you have success. And PJ established that at Western Michigan, and now you're starting to see it uh, show up here at Minnesota, and that's how success is built. I want to I I want to touch too on uh, on something we saw towards the end of the game as well. You had Kamal Martin go out with an injury, and it didn't it didn't look that good when we saw it. Have you heard anything about about the what, what's going to happen going forward with him? And 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 if he has to miss extended time, what exactly does that do to this Gopher defense? Well, Coach Flex said after the game that he was walking around in the locker room a little bit. He was going to get an MRI when they got back to Minnesota to determine what was wrong. Uh, he, he just got caught up in a, in a pile of players. His leg got caught in the turf, it looked like. He was grabbing his right knee. Uh, then he went into the medical tent. He walked off with two trainers by his side. He was able to put weight on it and walk, but then got to the tent. He got out of there, and he sat in the front seat of a cart and went into the locker room. So we'll see what happens with Martin's status this week. 
obviously a big injury, a playmaker that changes the whole scheme because of his versatility, his athleticism. You can do a lot of different things with the front seven that uh, uh, with him that you wouldn't be able to do with other players. So that obviously changes the scheme. You're relying on Mariano Sorry Marin, Braylon Oliver, maybe Thomas Rush. Do they look at getting freshman James Gordon, who's a sleeper from Florida that could potentially redshirt this year? Do they give him a little bit of time? He's been someone that's been standing out in their Sunday night scrimmages that they do with the underclassmen. One of the best players in that last class that they just got uh, on the recruiting trail. Does he get some time? If, if Kamal Martin's out, we'll see. I just look at the, the whole complexion of this Gophers defense overall. I love how physical the defensive backs are playing. Gophers are 11th in pass defense right now. Last week they had the fourth best pass defense performance in all of college football. The physicality that they're playing with, the technical growth, Coney Durr's performing at a high level. St. Juice has really given this team a lift. Terrell Smith was out yesterday. They bring in converted wide receiver Phil Power. His first play on the field as a quarterback, he picks it off. And you have Winfield in the back end making all these adjustments and just a playmaker all around. Two picks yesterday. One he took to the house. The whole secondary is playing at such a high level that you can really rely on them to do a lot of things that you couldn't last year. You can play man. You can play man press. You can bump and run maybe a little bit. And then in the front seven is where you unleash all that creativity. And if you don't have Kamal Martin, that changes things a little bit. You just need one of those young players to step up and, and a little bit faster than maybe you'd, you'd like. It's just impossible to replace a playmaker like Kamal, though. So hopefully it's not too serious, but uh, they'll definitely have to make some adjustments if that's the case. I want to touch on the Gopher offense that we saw as we wrap up the discussion on uh, on the Gophers and Rutgers game from yesterday. Um, you know, stop the presses, Daniel. T- Tyler Johnson has another 100-yard receiving game, and we see another phenomenal catch from Rashad Bateman. I mean, it's, it seems like we say that weekly with those two things. So uh, just another another – Another noteworthy performance for the offense in the past game. You know, Tanner Morgan, I thought, was you know they they started slow as we mentioned, but as the game went along, you you saw them start to open it up, and we saw we saw Tyler with another good game, and and, and of course Rashad, and then as just just a, a well managed game offensively as well. What did you take? Well, you away? look at that play Tyler Johnson had after the catch. That's yeah. one that every NFL uh, draft draft expert and scout will be checking out. The crossing routes that they ran with Bateman and Johnson, manipulating the linebackers, he gets separation and makes three plays after the catch that just leave you like, wow, this guy's field vision is amazing. He's dynamic. You get him the ball in space and you're going to be successful. I'm already looking ahead to Penn State, James. The bubble screen game, the wide receiver screen looks, the crossers, those are the things that they're going to have to do to get the ball in space to their receivers. It's something that you can exploit uh, against the Nittany Lions. But Bateman yesterday, I thought he was phenomenal. Continues to be one of the the best players on the field every single week on either sideline. The one-handed catch was phenomenal. It's one of the best catches that you're going to see all season in college football. Uh, And I look at just how much I was watching some film (laughs) of Rashad Bateman last year versus this year. And to see the physical strength that, that he's added, the explosiveness, that the even improved detail of his route running, he was already pretty nuanced there. But you just see the growth when you go back and look from last year to this year. 
he's making a name for himself, and there'll be a lot of buzz in 2021 with Rashad Bateman because he is playing at a level that uh, a lot of NFL scouts are going to be very attracted to. The last thing I want to touch on with Rutgers, do they win a Big Ten game this year? I You've just seen – from the performances that that they've put on that they've put on tape, I don't see any Big Ten team losing to them this year. What do you think? No, I don't see it either. And I mean, you look at their defense has some potential on it. Some of their linebackers, edge players, not overall their their defense played really hard, and, and the scheme wasn't actually too bad. But their offense is just terrible. I mean, quarterback play isn't very good. The receivers struggle to get separation. The offensive line, uh, Carter Coughlin just absolutely annihilated their left tackle to inside move. Taya Devers on the other side makes a rushing move, and they meet right at the quarterback. Their offense is one of the worst I've seen in the Big Ten in college football for a very long time, and they have so much work to do to get that program even back to some semblance of order, especially on offense. If they can invest some resources into that, they probably could turn it around, but, man, I tell you, it's... It's going to be tough for Rutgers to to win a Big Ten game this year, no doubt. I want to take a little look around the Big Ten as we had some interesting some interesting developments yesterday in the world of uh, Big Ten college football. Uh, let's start with the obviously the uh, the game that affected the Gophers more than their own game against Rutgers. You had Wisconsin dropping uh, 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 a big game to the uh, the Illinois Fighting Illini. At Illinois, last-second field goal, and Lovey Smith steals one from the Badgers when when they were they were thinking ahead to Ohio State. You could clearly tell just with their again vanilla offense. We saw a lot of vanilla offense, but that was they got away from the run game. They didn't utilize Jonathan Taylor, I thought, as much as they should have, and they let one slip by. That's really going to affect them going forward. Well, that game, I thought Illinois played really well. Lovey Smith had a good defensive scheme. You look at how the time of possession evolved in that game. Illinois was on the field defensively the whole day. They did not get gassed. There was no fatigue. They got great interior push all day. Their best pass rusher got hurt early in the game. So they had to rely on other players to step up and fill those roles. You look at Wisconsin, okay, they were stuffed on running plays. So one yard or less, they had 41 rushes. They were stuffed on 15 of them. And you look at the battle up front. I thought Wisconsin lost the battle in the trenches all day for most of yesterday. And Jonathan Taylor's fumble right at the end of the game was critical. If he doesn't fumble the ball there, they're maybe running out the clock. They possibly kick a field goal. But instead, that fumble gives them life and Illinois made a lot of big plays. You look at, they had zero red zone trips in that game, but scored three touchdowns. So you see the big play TDs that they were able to create. They won the turnover battle, plus two, and they still got doubled up on time of possession and found a way to win despite that. The run at the end of the game by Dre Brown, unbelievable. Gets hit multiple times, stays on his feet, and just milks the clock a little bit more. I know people were freaking out at Lovey that, okay, the clock's running down. What are you doing? Yeah, you got to hurry up. He did not want to give Wisconsin the football at the end of the game. He wanted to milk the clock down. He trusted his kicker, knocked it down, and you win a huge game. That's a big program win for, for Illinois to somehow come out with a win and play like they did throughout 
Jamal Milan had a monster game inside at defensive tackle for Illinois. And I, I just felt like Wisconsin, everybody's going to say that they were overlooking their opponent and weren't ready to play. But I just thought Illinois came out and they had a great scheme and they outplayed them in almost all the areas. The interception at the end, too, James, I didn't get why they were throwing the ball yeah. at the end in that yeah. situation. They should have been running the ball, running the clock out. Instead, they create a situation where, you know, you could have just punted the football, backed them up, and forced them to go down the field. Instead, you throw an interception, give them a short field, and allow them a lot of flexibility. And you mentioned the the, the Jonathan Taylor fumble. That's a thing. Like, he, he has a severe fumbling problem. Dating back to two years ago, last year he fumbled a lot, and we saw that cost Wisconsin games, and you, you just saw it potentially cost them uh, a, a chance to represent the Big Ten West. So that was, you know, it's, it's definitely a thing with him fumbling that they have to get figured out. Well, every time Illinois was wrapping them up, they had a guy tackling low, and there's someone ripping up on the top. They know a scouting report that he fumbles the football at a high rate, and they're going to go for the football every single time that they can. And that was a very excellent play by the Illinois defense. And I just thought they played extremely well. The effort was there the entire time. Lovey Smith has those guys playing hard. A lot of people are ripping Lovey, but that was an excellent performance and a well-coached game where they came out and just took advantage of a team that did not play their best, and they, they came out with a huge program-defining win. You know, honestly, I, I don't think la- uh, yesterday works out much better for the Gophers in, in what we saw in the Big Ten. You had Iowa kind of struggle with Purdue at home. Iowa looks certainly like like they're beatable if, if they if they get a, a, the matchup with the wrong team. You had uh, Penn State. They they went out to an early lead on Michigan. I believe it was twenty one nothing, and then they struggled as Michigan kind of chipped away at the end, and they brought it to within one score. No, no one other than the the Friday matchup that we saw Ohio State again just absolutely blow the doors off Northwestern. That's the only team that's that's where you're, they're they're far and away the best team in the Big Ten. Everybody else, including Wisconsin, including Iowa, Penn Penn State, they all are beatable this year. And I think that's why if you're a Gopher fan, you should really be excited for the last the last five games of the season. Well I've said it for a while. I feel like they match up well with Iowa and Wisconsin in terms of being able to compete with them. Just when you look at the the matchups of both teams and the strengths and weaknesses, the big game's Penn State. I see their defensive front, their front seven, they're able to create a lot of pressure by blitzing. They have a lot of athleticism both in the front seven and the back end. Offensively, K.J. Hamler is such a weapon. I just really thought that the Michigan offense exploited them in the screen game a little bit. They got the ball out in space. They were able to create plays. Offensively, Penn State, Sean Clifford has played at a pretty high level of quarterback that's slowly developing, following in the footsteps of Trace McSorley, getting more comfortable every single week. I feel like the Gophers can compete with Penn State, especially because of the, the matchups and how everything is going to shake out there, the, the skill players that the Gophers have. They, they aren't going to be able to run the ball really well, so it feels like a game where the Gophers' passing game, uh, their playmakers are going to have to create plays. Penn State's the game that probably is the toughest matchup. Iowa, Nate Stanley hasn't played very well. Teams have been throwing a lot of heat at him. He's been making mistakes. 
David Bell had a big game for Purdue yesterday. The pass defense hasn't been playing up to the level that I thought it would. Uh, if you protect in the front seven, you'll probably be in pretty good shape. And like we said with Wisconsin, you limit Jonathan Taylor. They, they, they created a lot of those plays where they stuffed uh, runs and put them in long-down situations. And that's what you have to continue to do against Wisconsin if you want to be successful. And So they have a shot down the stretch with every single one of these games, but each week you got to give it your best because I said it to somebody last night on Twitter that was already looking ahead to Penn State. you got to come out and play a solid game against Maryland because nothing's given to you in the Big Ten. you got to bring it every single week no matter who you're playing. Daniel, how do you how do you go about not overlooking Maryland and avoiding a potential as as everybody loves the word the trap game? Um, that is the definition of what it, of of this Maryland game coming up. The Gophers will be favored. They should be favored by I would think around you know ten to fourteen points, something like that. Um, what what do the Gophers need to do? next week to avoid a potential a, a potential loss that would that would really not they, they wouldn't feel very good about that if, if that were to happen three words for you james pass the ball maryland secondary is one of the worst in college football they've been allowing so many explosive plays they have the 11th worst pass defense in all the land you have to come out with your wide receivers that trio and you're going to air the ball all over the field and try to get a big lead. Maryland, offensively, I like the way their run game ticks, but if you get to the point where you come out and you start firing away on all cylinders through the air and start scoring points and control the game, get them in a hole, then you really control the entire tempo of the game. You've witnessed this with P.J. Fleck. He loves to control time of possession, pick up a ton of first downs, keep the game ticking away, and that's exactly how they're going to continue to play football. You blend in the explosive passing game, you run the ball, you control time of possession, and you try to limit the amount of time where you have uh, explosive running play potential for uh, Maryland. And I look at what like Anthony McFarland's been doing for them. He's a guy that is very, very uh, looked at in NFL circles as some guy that could potentially be, be drafted. He's been hurt. And so we'll see if he's able to make a return. But uh, I see a Maryland team that you can exploit through the air, and uh, that's something that suits the Gopher strengths really well. Daniel, before we wrap this up, I just want to get your thoughts on on another game that I'm going to be looking at very closely next week. You have uh, at the the 11 o'clock start, the game of the week that I'm looking at is is Wisconsin at Ohio State. What do you expect in terms of uh, of how that game goes? Does Ohio State not even blink at Wisconsin, or or do you think Wisconsin can actually put up a fight and even maybe get hand them a a, a loss that that would be devastating for Ohio State? James, I really don't see Wisconsin being able to keep up with that offense. I, I watched that game against Northwestern, and I, I've watched the Buckeyes a couple times. I think far and away right now, if I'm ranking the college teams right now, Ohio State's probably one for me, LSU's two, Bama's three, and Oklahoma's four. And Ohio State, Justin Fields, this is his first big test against a really uh, a, a excellent defense that, Maybe didn't play as well yesterday, but still has a lot of the pieces to, to be successful. However, 
Wisconsin secondary can be exploited by the team speed. You you watch the you look at the disparity between these two teams and their differing philosophies in terms of how they build their teams. Buckeyes have explosive weapons everywhere, and I feel like that's going to be the difference in the game. Is they're going to create a lot of big passing plays, and then you look at Dobbins out of the backfield complementing that passing attack and them being able to create a lot of explosive plays. I just really don't see this game being a tight one. It's a fascinating matchup, though, because you don't really know what you're going to get from Wisconsin. Do they bounce back after stubbing their toe at Illinois, or is it one of those things where Ohio State is just so talented and so deep? They, that, the pass rush is unbelievable yeah. how they continue to rotate guys. and When you have Chase Young, who is one of the best players in all of college football, I just love watching him play. The Ohio State Buckeyes right now, in my opinion, are number one in the land, and I don't see them losing a single game all year. They're number one heading into the college football playoffs. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. And I mean, if if you watched any of that that game on Friday night uh, between Ohio State and 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 <laughs> poor Northwestern, Northwestern, my, you Oof. you talked you talked about Rutgers having like the worst pass offense in the big. Northwestern's right there. It's they are they are putrid trying to trying to pass the football, and and they just it's. <sighs> I feel bad for them because they they went into that game with with absolutely zero shot and it was it was it's kind of sad to see uh, to see Northwestern fall from from where they have been the last couple of years in in you know one of the one of the middle teams of the Big Ten and definitely a, a difficult game on the schedule where now I look at it like the Gophers shouldn't they should be looking at that game as if it's another Maryland or 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 Rutgers I mean I they I don't see them losing that game at all. Well, they have no weapons in the passing game. Mm-hmm. The quarterback room has been a revolving door. They started Smith on Friday, and the passing game just has not been able to, to catch stride. Receivers can't get separation. They just can't seem to establish any sort of offensive identity. I agree with you. I would say Northwestern is probably maybe the second-worst offense in the Big Ten right now in terms of being able to establish consistency, play with balance, I just don't see them continuing to improve at all this season just because they don't have the personnel. And I don't know where the lapse was in terms of being able to recruit explosive playmakers, but they just don't have any. And that's been the biggest difference. And so I look at, yeah, down the stretch, that game totally is is a lot different than than anyone projected coming into the season. They still have a solid defense that that will – keep them in some games and you're going to have to play your best because of that however that offense can't keep up and that's that's something that you have to have especially in the big 10 with a physical game where you just can control the time of possession play your game pick up a lot of first downs and and control everything that's you got to have some offense and northwestern just doesn't have any Daniel, where can the listeners find your musings on the the forty two to seven defeat of Rutgers, as well as I'm assuming you'll have something as the week moves on, uh, previewing uh, Maryland. Yeah, you can check out the game story on scorenorth.com under the Gophers section, and then uh, check out Twitter this week at Daniel House NFL, and I'll have more content uh, throughout the week breaking this game down and then looking at Maryland because this is a big game. Maryland to me presents a lot more challenges than Rutgers did, obviously, and you have to still play your best because uh, Maryland's been 
inconsistent and not playing well lately, but they still have talent, and uh, I see them needing to really pass the ball, like I said, to exploit a lot of the things that the Terps are, are doing uh, defensively. Guys, I have to just say this. Enjoy, enjoy these next five games because this is – in my lifetime, probably the most excited I've ever been for an upcoming slate of, of Gopher games to end the year. The Gophers have a chance. Everything's in play here. You have Big Ten title game at, at play. You have uh, you know a, a chance to be probably the, the a chance of being the, the 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 single greatest gopher season in the past you know 40 years were there's a lot in play here so just enjoy the next five games enjoy Maryland enjoy big slates where the gophers are, are you know right in, in the national eye I think that is something that we can all look forward to right Daniel yeah this team is really fun to watch love the chemistry I just enjoy seeing how hard they play they they just really, you could tell every week they are so well prepared and they come in with the right game plan, right mindset. And that's what makes really great teams is the chemistry, the ability to prepare at a high level, come out every single week and approach and attack the game individually because a lot of teams get caught up in those trap games like we were talking about earlier. The Gophers have the right mindset. They really have a strong group of players that they have diversity at all the position groups. They are balanced offensively, and the defense has been catching fire, and the scheme has continued to evolve, and they've been really well prepared. I like what Rossi did on defense yesterday. So, yeah, enjoy these, these games because you don't get to see this very often. I haven't witnessed it in all the years that I've watched go for football for sure. He's at, he's Daniel House. You can find him on Twitter at Daniel House NFL. If you're looking for statistical breakdowns, if you're looking for just more raw emotion, that's that's me. Uh, you can follow me at Murph underscore MN on Twitter. Well, we we do appreciate you t- stopping by, li- taking a listen to the the seven and first place in the West Score North Gophers show. For Daniel House, I've been James Murphy, and uh, we'll see you next week as we break down, you know, maybe an 8-0 start. That's That'd be fun. We'll see you next week.